Good morning, uh, Bethel's Rock. I am so excited um, because today, I'm not doing announcements, I get to speak to you guys. Again, Pastor James has let me um, have the, the pulpit, so I'm thankful for that. And before you guys you know, click out the string, obviously I'm joking about that. Um, but I, I know I'm 22. Um, you may be thinking like, you know, what is what has he got to, you know, to offer to me this morning? I'm thankful that we serve a God that is the qualifier, uh, that he qualified a bunch of fishermen uh, that were uneducated. And um, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that we have within each and every one of us. It's not that I'm a pastor or more qualified. It's the spirit that qualifies us. And it's the spirit that is going to speak to you this morning. I've been praying that. I've been praying that not a word from my mouth um, lands in your heart. Because that is not that my my words are going to fade away, but his will never. So right now, I pray that you would open up your minds this morning and open up your hearts as we um, as we just set a time this uh, set a time set aside this time to just uh, spend time with God. So I, I um, we went to go shoot life hacks. If you guys are in a small group, you would know what that is. We did a small group campaign where we recorded episodes on different events that are happening in culture and how do Christians uh, face them? Like, what, do we, what are the answers to death? What are the answers um, to truth and authority? And uh, it's a Christian perspective on how the Bible, how do we live a life uh, biblically? And so we went and shot one of these episodes in Utah. If you've seen the video, it was a, a treat for me to be able to go down there and be able to film because it didn't really take much editing for uh, the scenery to look that good. Uh, so we went and shot at the Bonneville Flats, and uh, it's bordered right next to Nevada. And if you know anything about Nevada, uh, the main attraction there is casinos, even in this little town that we were at uh, to go get food. And as we're driving um, through this little town, it's not even a town, and, and I don't gamble, but it was impressive because there were huge buildings. Uh, these huge casinos, um, and obviously we were, I, I would have been curious to see what it looked like at night because that city would have been lit up. It was absolutely amazing, not considering what was going on inside those buildings, um, but it was incredible. And I remember we sat down uh, to go eat in, in this little Mexican restaurant, and there was a window that overlooked uh, the, the little town. Um, and I remember like God speaking to me right there as we're eating our burrito. Um, there was this man that was outside. He was walking the streets and he was, he was talking to himself. Um, obviously strung out on drugs, um, raggedy clothes, hadn't looked like he had showered, just totally like and this is not judgment, but just a total disparity between the beautiful buildings from the, the person, uh, what was actually going on in that city. And it wasn't judgment uh, that God put on my heart, but it was actually a, a reflection of where I was once at and what led that guy uh, to be where he's at and the decisions he made. Because I think all of us can fall into that same, that same cycle. It just may look a little bit different for each and every one of us. Um, and that's hope. And that's the, there was a time where I knew God my whole entire life. But it was until I had an encounter with Jesus that changed 
everything. It was a belief that changed everything, that he was real, that influenced my decisions from that day. It might not a behavior, but it was something that I could not look back on. And just like that guy, I'm sure it maybe started off with, just like all of us, we try to find our hope in material things that this earth cannot provide. And so we look to a relationship and it's the next best thing. Like this relationship is going to be different than the last. We go to it and then down the road we feel empty because it doesn't provide that. It's a good thing, but it's not providing me what I was looking for. And then we we, we look to a community, a group of friends, and, and these guys, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make me not feel lonely. I'm, I'm finding my, uh, my value and popularity and friendship and, and those those lonely nights at home or during quarantine has really showed me what I have. And again, it, it, it leaves me empty. There's, there, there's the money, there's the cars, there's the, the, the hope that we try to find at the end of a bottle. But again, we end up feeling empty. There's one thing though, that I think that would have changed that guy's life. I know would have changed that guy's life. And this is no judgment. This is just an example of what God was speaking to me. I felt like he was saying like, was that a, would a motivational speech, you know, change his life? Maybe you went to like a Dave Ramsey type thing, um, figure out like stewardship of money. Um, maybe it would be like a rehab that would change his life. Like, hey, just focus on not doing drugs and you'll be good. Maybe it was listening to a sermon, listen to a Bethel's Rock sermon that would change his life. That wasn't it either. And God was speaking to me. And it, it, again, it took me back to my first encounter with Christ where I tangibly felt God's presence where it no longer was a man in a book, but a man in my life that wanted to transform my life. That would be the only thing that was going to change his life. It was a belief in Jesus that took the veil off his eyes and to perceive a reality that is so much more real than the life we have, the 70 years we have here on this earth. And that's a life eternal with Jesus Christ, the only hope, the only truth, and the only way. In that moment, God brought me back to that childlike excitement I had when I first dedicated my life to him. This is just my heart speaking to you today and what God has laid on on my heart. Is your belief influencing your actions or is it just a moral compass? So I'm going to take you guys, if you want to open up to 2 Corinthians uh, 3.12. And so the context of this is uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, but he's also making a reference to the old covenant and the old way of things in which it used to be done to have to obtain a relationship with God. And so uh, at the beginning where God's chosen people, where he wanted to have a theocracy, where God was leading the charge and he was leading his people, it wasn't a king, it wasn't a judge, it was him leading his very own people. And um, Paul was making the, the, um, the connection to Moses. Moses was kind of the middleman between this holy and perfect God that was just this huge, unimaginable, unattainable God that gave them breath in their lungs and, and created their environment and everything everything here in this world and the world. Just this huge, enormous God. And, and Moses was this in-between. Um, 
And so this is where we find ourselves in this verse where, where Paul is kind of making this reference between what, what used to be the way in which we reach God. 2 Corinthians 3.12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. So Moses, when he was having conversations with God, I'm just paraphrasing, but when he was hanging out with God, he had to put a veil over his face because the glory of the Lord was that strong. It wasn't that he was trying to flex or anything, have some like uh, some name brand veil or anything. It was just that because it was for the people's own protection um, that they could not withstand the glory of God that he had to put a veil over his face because in that time, in their sin, the glory of God was dangerous to them. So the veil on Moses was for their protection. And so Paul's making a reference to the confidence that we have. It says that, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And he's making that reference that the distinction is that we're not like Moses anymore. And that in that time and day where there is a fear of like, what is going to happen if I come in contact with God's holiness, with my sinfulness, um, that we have a hope and we have a boldness that we can step before the Father. Um, and it would be a glory that's not passing away. That 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 glory that from seeing God, he put a veil on his face, but eventually he could take it off because it then passed away. But this is something that's not passing away. Paul was insistent that Christ's presence in the hearts of the Corinthians should be all the evidence they need that his ministry is true. He compares the limited glory revealed by the old covenant, which was with Moses and the people of Israel, with the glory revealed by Christ. And see, this is where I see the problems that are happening now. If you go on to verse 14, uh, but their minds were made dull for this to this day. The same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. See, the glory was revealed in the word, but they could not and would not see it. Nobody can see God's glory because of the veil created by sin. It keeps us from understanding what is true until it is removed through Christ. I think I, I, um, I have a group where I have a bunch of guys and my heart is for people who know nothing about Jesus. Like I, when I first went into ministry, I didn't, they were trying to figure out what my job title would be or what I was interested in. They were trying to kind of find a, like a pathway for me because I was kind of a misfit. I'm like, at the time I wasn't good at anything. I had no experience. I dropped out of college, but all I know is that I was called into ministry and I just want to love people who hate Jesus. That was my call. I, I just, I love people who have a misconception about God. And um, so that's my heart. And so my heart is I want to understand people's perceived reality that there is what it talks about in that word right there that there is this veil that covers our hearts and it's not just it's not just um only limited to people who don't believe in christ 
but sometimes there's a veil that covers our hearts because of our sin when we step out of that covering obviously it's not our sin but when we choose to hang on to our sin it creates this shame and self-deprecation on how we view people and how we view God and it creates this veil over our hearts that's what sin does and it takes me to I think a lot of us our responsibility as Christians is to be able to see those people where they're at and understand that their reality is not the same as ours that we have an alternate reality like in Marvel Universe that there are, we have a different reality in how we perceive the world it's like the men in black um, if you guys have ever seen that there's these agents that are looking for aliens and he's bringing um, an agent with him, Will Smith and where now Will Smith is able to see um, the world that's actually been hiding in front of his face the whole entire the whole entire time and it's a world full of aliens that were disguising themselves as humans and I think when we believe in Christ we see that there are more real things than the flesh and blood that we see right in front of us that this narrow-minded way of thinking there is so much more that like what Paul talks about that we battle against powers and principalities that influence our decisions now um, that are causing us to be blind to the truth of Jesus Christ which would be the only way to the Father in the way to eternal life. But I think a lot of times we fail to realize that people's perception of life is not dictated from a relationship with Jesus. And so that really just comes down to an, um, a view that is just subjected to their heart's perception. And if we know anything from the Bible, we can't trust the heart. From, for us Christians, we know that we don't trust our heart and that we can't lean on our own understanding and we cannot base our decisions off emotions, but we base our decisions off faith and we know um, the reward that we have set in front of us. See, if we can't reach people where they're at in their perceived reality without having to have this huge apologetics debate, how are we going to reach anybody? Paul talks about that he became... Um, all things to all people so that he can reach some but I feel like a lot of us we can't reach people where they're at because we don't understand uh, their perceived reality we have to meet them where we're at and I mean if the creator of the heavens and the earth humbled himself and simplified himself to to be able to connect with us now if a God can do that we can see people where they're at I mean think about it this God is not a human but he humbled himself to his creation so that we could be even even able to perceive him like that is that is incredible think about that get out of your 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 tight construct of god and your small thinking of who god is and actually think about that that he made himself simplified so that you could comprehend him and that's what jesus talks about that he is a reflection of who god is we need to reach people where they're at and understand their perceived reality if we want to reach anybody. And if you are watching right now and you're not a Christian, I'm sorry for people who have misconstrued the gospel for you and, and showed you a God and has, have not reflected a God that's loving and wants to meet you right where you're at because Jesus did that for you, not based on your merit or anything that you could do. And moving on, we see in uh, Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 3.16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, this is the crazy thing, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we all 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So that's what happens. It's not a debate. It's not a, it's not an apologetic theology, like bashing of someone across the head. It's when it's as simple as this, that veil comes off not by your behavior, not by a podcast you listen to, not by, I've already said this over and over, but I feel like people forget. It is because you believe in Jesus is, is the only way that veil is removed where you can see a reality that is not right in front of you, that we look ahead. Because we believe in Jesus, we see eternally and not so narrow-sighted like what Pastor James talked about a couple weeks ago. Gee, guys, why are we making it so hard? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. But the enemy has tried to distort your view of God and your view of Jesus so you never can actually believe in Him. That it's a behavior, it's not a relationship. And so you forego that relationship that is, uh, as a bride product, you have a different perspective and a reality that influences your actions. We've made it about following a list of rules and actions and behavior rather than following Jesus who then influences our behavior and our perceived reality of the whole world. That's not mix up the priorities. I remember, you know this like, there's this cliche that I hear with like new couples and and uh, in movies or whatever, I don't know, it just is kind of cringy. It's home is where the heart is. Or you see like those Instagram posts and, and their girlfriend or boyfriend or their spouse or whatever. It's just home is wherever you're at. It's not a location, it's just where you're at. See, like I feel like we start losing hope when we start spending more time in the world than with Jesus because if home is where the heart is, uh, if we view our, our home right here and we don't belong to it, we're gonna see we're gonna seem pretty hopeless. And if and if God, if the Spirit of Lord is freedom, I think we can we can understand where our home is by the message that we preach. Are we a warden? Are we a prison keeper? Or are we a chain breaker and a freedom giver? That we're going around and we're talking about, oh my goodness, this life right now. It's real. The pain is real. The emotions are real. But there is something look I'm looking ahead to that produces this joy, that produces this freedom, that I'm not bound just because I got shackles around my hand, metaphorically and maybe physically, that there is something ahead that I'm looking forward to because I don't even belong to this world. I'm in a hotel and I'm preaching a gospel that I've been commissioned by Jesus Christ to do. This is not my home, but I'm here because I am commissioned with this burden to tell people about Jesus, that there's this freedom that just bubbles up inside. That's not even in my notes. That's just like, that's what's bubbling up inside. That's the spirit of the Lord within us. Are we bringing freedom to a situation in a hopeless world? Or are we identifying with the world and we are just putting hopelessness on everything and negativity on everything and canceling people out? What is your message? And I think that's where we can understand and uh, be self-aware where our heart is. Is it with your creator and Jesus? Have you been hanging more time, spending more time with Jesus or spending more time with the world? And I think a good way to see that is the words that you speak and the hope that you give and the relationships that you foster.
See, you're going to face trials in this world, but they're a shadow and a blip compared to eternity. Our spirituality is more real than what we face here on earth. And it reminds me of this story, not even, it's not a story, like that was so long ago, it was a couple weeks ago. My grandma is an amputee. And so she was telling me about this thing, this uh, phenomenon called phantom pain, that her leg was gone. It's, it's literally gone like at the knee. But she still can feel for, for the first like year she said that she had extreme pain in her leg that she could physically feel and she would reach down and grab it and nothing was there. It was, it was all in her mind. And I think that as believers, that's the way we ought to think. And the way to battle that is just like she did when she was going through that phantom pain. And this is the crazy thing. This is the crazy thing. The way she battled that was through mirror treatment. It was through mirror treatment. Why do I say that? Because she would look in the mirror and she would see her leg amputated and she would massage the opposite leg and it would actually help the effect, the affected area. And now I'm saying, uh, here, here's the connection, that when we start looking to Christ, Christ is the only way that we identify truth from lies. With all the opinions, with all the good intentions, with all the, the great podcasters and YouTubers and people that are speaking right now, you need to be looking at Christ to understand the truth uh, about your situation. That Did you know, believe it or not, that just because you live in this world doesn't mean you have to claim its reality and the truth. That you can claim truth and bind it up as it is in heaven and bring it down on earth. That I'm sick in my body, but because Jesus died on the cross, I have authority that's not my own, but I can claim victory over it and I can claim health over a situation. I can claim healing. I want to see people healed. I want to see relationships restored. I want to see my friends come to Jesus. The only way to do that is by the Spirit and you can have uh, confidence and come boldly before the Father because of that Spirit. And what turns people what reveals that veil is through Christ empowered by the Spirit. You guys have that, uh, that ability as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, you have that ability to have a transformed life. Not because of what you can conjure up or a Bible study that you went to or something you learned. But the Spirit qualifies you and empowers you and gives you authority over your situation. See, looking to Christ transforms everything. That when we look to Christ, we don't see ourselves, but we see a bloody Jesus that, with a glorified body that died, paid for our sins, paid the cost of death that should have been in our body so we could receive life. So when we look in the mirror with that phantom pain, we see the truth, we see reality. Not that what's here and not what that's, uh, that's real as in earth terms or a human nature perspective, but I'm looking beyond to something eternal because of Jesus Christ, that he is the true reflection, that I don't identify with myself, I identify with Christ, and if I do that, I am made righteous, and the Father sees me as such. But the enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know he isn't an opposite of God. This is the misconception. He is not an opposite of God. He, he, there's no opposition. He, he, he can't compare with God. He's a creation. He can't create, but he can distort. If he, if he can distort your view of God and yourself, he can 
influence your actions. I, this reminds me of my, um, there is a car ride home that I was going through and I'm a pastor, but I commit sin and I have, there's a lot of thoughts that I battle every day. A lot of insecurities. Me speaking to you right now, this confidence that I have is not my own, but by the spirit. Every time I, I'm given a message, I battle huge insecurity, but I pray that again, that God's word would be presented and the spirit within me would speak and not me because I'm a man flawed with a ton of insecurities. And I, I battle, I battle thoughts in my head all the time, all the time. And, and, uh, it was this past week that I was in the car and I was driving home from work. And, um, it was funny cause I was writing this message and everything. And, and I remember driving past, I'm going, I'm driving down Farmington, I'm going home and these thoughts kind of start coming into my brain. Um, but they weren't positioned like as, oh, you suck, you're this, you're that. They weren't obvious that they were like attacks from the enemy, but they were just simple things um, that kind of caused me to self-deprecate or like almost being like a ooh-rah-rah to try to do better. But they were very negative when I started, like there was something that snapped within me because I was, I was becoming heavier and heavier and heavier and my heart really felt weighed down. And I'm like, you know, I'm not good at this. I need to be better at this. I need to watch more videos. I need to get better with the camera. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to disciple so-and-so, but they're not, like, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm capable to do that. I'm not good enough. They need someone better. They see through my insecurities. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to think through all these things, but, I'm, but, it's, but it's positioned as I just need to get better. And that's true, but the, that's how the enemy works. He's so slick into bringing bashing you with half-truths and making you feel like dirt. And I remember stopping myself, like no joke, not exaggerating, not for a story. I literally stopped myself in the car and said, that's a lie. And I'm not going to get into all of my deep secrets where I'm just like bashing myself in my brain. Uh, <clears throat> but I remember stopping myself and saying out loud, that's a lie. That's not who I am. That's not who I am in Jesus Christ. I am a new creation. I am loved. My hope is secure. Jesus bought my sin. It's on the cross. I have flaws, but my goal is not to appease man. It's to please Jesus. And he loves me. So everything on top of that is extra. Like I have freedom and I have grace that I don't have to be bound by my sin and my shame and my mistakes, that I have grace for that to continue to pursue Jesus. It's not just saying that I'm just going to stay where I'm at, but I have grace to pursue Jesus. And you have grace to pursue Jesus. Listen, Jesus is, he wants to speak that over you right now. But first you have to believe in him. He wants to have those conversations. I know you're listening to me right now. There's someone across that screen right now that's listening to what I just said. And you were like me in 10th grade where I heard the pastor talking about that and I wanted that relationship he had with God. I'm telling you right now that Jesus wants to have that type of verbal language with you, that he can talk to you like a friend and he can speak life into you. That that when you believe in Jesus, it's going to influence your actions. Let me tell you right now that God is not impressed with your behavior. Do you know that? You can't earn his love by your behavior. 
You can't earn his love by going to a Sunday service. You can't earn his love by listening to a sermon or doing a Bible study. He loves you as you are. And he already showed that 2,000 years ago before you were thought in your, your parents' brain. He loves you. But it's up to you to make that decision and to open your heart. Do you really believe? Do you want a life that's different than the one you've been going through right now because I truly do believe that that same spirit that saved me and that same spirit that, 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 un, that revealed that veil that covered my eyes, he wants to do the same in your life. It's the same spirit that raised him from the grave. So if you want to give your life to Christ right now, I believe there's people that are watching right now that need to hear this that need to have a relationship with Jesus that goes beyond a moral or a behavior, that you need, to, you need to see the real Jesus. I believe he wants to do that, and I don't care if it's beyond a screen. You can just bow your head and close your eyes and pray, pray this prayer. It's as simple as that. Jesus, I want a real relationship with you. I don't want the, a Jesus that's confined to just the Bible, but I want a Jesus that lives in my heart and influences my decisions by having a relationship with you. Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross in purchasing my punishment. Would you come into my life? I want to believe you're real, but help my unbelief. Jesus, this is a verbal commitment to you. And help me start seeing you tangibly in my life, God. I make this decision now, Jesus. God, would you come into my life? I pray this in your holy name. Amen. It's literally, if you pray that prayer, you believe and confess Jesus is Lord, then you're saved. It's as simple as that. I don't know who told you otherwise, but it's as simple as that. Jesus wants a relationship with you. The only one keeping you away from it is you and the enemy. He doesn't want you having access to that power and that type of love because, oh my goodness, watch out if you were able to have that. I love you. We love you. And Jesus loves you even, even more. And so if you, if you prayed that prayer, I want you um, to fill out this online connect card. I would love to reach out to you this week and um, kind of walk you through your next steps because it's more than just a decision, but there's discipleship that takes place um, to grow you and your faith and, and, and how, what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? We would love for you not to just do that alone, um, but we would love to partner with you. So again, fill out that, that banner and we'll get a hold of you this week. God bless. We love you. But again, Christ loves you more.